When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. forward to three consecutive games this week against good opponents unfortunately 76ers dropped their first one of the week to the Chicago Bulls by four welcome to the PHLY Sixers post game show here on this Monday night alongside Derek Bodner I'm Devon Givens we'll be joined by Kyle Newbeck a little bit later on as he uh, sifts through all the words that are said by the players and the coaches uh, during the post game press conferences talking about this loss to the Chicago Bulls 108-104 Sixers now 18 and 8 have their six game win streak snapped and a lot to discuss in this one as just two players registered double figure scoring on the evening. Derek, what's going on, man? Not much. That was a tough one. That it was. was a tough one. Even in the end they had a chance. Yeah. But it, yeah. it was a tough one the way that they finished and Kelly Oubre had an opportunity to tie it up at 105-105. Mm-hmm. He missed the free well, pardon me. Actually, they scored later on for with a three-pointer, and Kelly Oubre had an opportunity to cut the lead to two, and uh, with that, he missed the free throw, and they were down one. They hit a three-pointer. It was 105-104, yeah. and right there, you're like, ah, they dropped an opportunity right there, right there. Yeah, and look, I mean, this, this was a game where in the first half specifically, um, what did Embiid end up in the first half there? I think he had like 24 yeah. uh, on, like, Eight for thirteen. I have these stats somewhere in my I have notes, you. but the Sixers, I think, as the, the non-Embiid Sixers had like twenty-one on nine of twenty-seven shooting. I yep. think was the, the number, and it was a game where Embiid was playing great, but nobody else really showed up. And I thought in the first half, Maxi specifically struggled uh, with some of the Bulls' perimeter defenders, Caruso specifically, yep. but Carter a little bit as well. He got it going there a little bit in the second half, but nobody else throughout the game was a consistent source of offense. And you know. Tobias Harris, three points on three shots in 31 minutes. You need more from him. You didn't have Marcus Morris. He was out for an illness. You didn't have Batum down the stretch. He had a hamstring. And nobody truly had it going. And, you know, the Sixers then coupled that with they weren't getting easy buckets. I think the Bulls went 20 minutes without committing a turnover on a night where you don't have a consistent, reliable source of offense outside of Joel Embiid and outside of Tyrese Maxey. You need to generate some easy buckets. They didn't really do that. It was a very, very fresh... on top of that, they missed some open threes, uh, some threes that they normally make. They were out sh- outshot from three-point line by a Chicago team that doesn't really thrive on three-point shooting. And you don't want to read too much into it. Like, they did just come off of a six-game winning streak. They came off of a stretch. I think I saw, and I didn't look this up, so apologies if it's wrong, uh, but I think they saw that that was the largest point differential, combined point differential in a five-game stretch in NBA history. So you're going to have off nights. Uh, and this isn't exactly a great Chicago team, but they're a team now that I think has won six of their last nine games here without Zach Levine. They're playing better basketball. They're not, still not a great team. They're a winnable game. Games like this happen, but boy, it was tough to watch at times. And then you have, like, this was just a game where it seemed like one run followed another run. You know, I think the Sixers had a, what was it? A, my notes, my notes are a mess. Um, I think the Sixers had like a, a 22 to eight run or something there. Uh, and then the Bulls came right back and a 10-0 run. It was just, it was real back and forth. And the Sixers just never had a chance to really get it going. 
And still, despite all that, Tyrese Maxey hits that great three to pull it within one. They have a chance. Tough foul call on Tobias Harris. Uh, they got him in the air. DeRozan did. Uh, and then Embiid had the, what, he lost the ball he on the way the up there on a yep. chance to, yep. to tie it. It was just a frustrating game. But I think it's probably one that I don't want to read too much into. No, I don't want to read too much into it either. To your question again in the first half, 23 points for Embiid in 19 minutes and 24 seconds, 8 of 14 with seven rebounds, one block shot. He did have four turnovers in the first half, something that he's been pretty good on, protecting the basketball. Did not do that tonight. And uh, Joe Sox jumped in on the uh, chat there and said Let's, he didn't see the game, so he need us to break it down, Derek. So we need to break it down. And I think, Joe, Derek laid out a lot of important things there because just two players, again, Again, scoring in double figures, Maxi finished with 29, Embiid 40, 14, and 6 on this evening. Maxi with 29. No other player scored in double figures tonight, and that cannot happen. Um, it, it, talking about uh, uh, the, the runs, I saw it on television. We always speak about it. Basketball is a game of runs. Looking at the television broadcast at the end of the game before we walked into the studio, Derek, they had six different runs yeah. registered by the, both the Bulls and the Sixers on the screen, and that's what it was. It really was. The Sixers jumped out to a 12-2 advantage. They were up by 12 two different times early on. Then the Bulls turned it around, finishing with a 25-24 lead after one. They ended up with a 22-2 run Mm -hmm. on the 76ers, and that will do you in right there, especially when you see it again. You get up early and you maybe you fall back a little bit, but this team is different. We've been talking about them when discussing Zach Levine in particular about how the Bulls were really floundering early on with him on the floor. But once he stepped away, they started playing much better basketball. Kobe White playing like a, a, a really, really a guy who's trying to take that point guard spot and never give it back, even if and when yeah, you hope great. as a fan, Lonzo Ball comes back and plays basketball. He's playing out of his mind. He almost had a triple double tonight. Hit some big shots tonight for the Chicago Bulls, but they've been playing some good basketball. So to take them lightly, I don't know if they did that. You have to give credit to to the opponent because they never, never just laid down and let the Sixers do what they've been doing against the really bad opponents over the past two weeks. And they did not do that. So the Sixers had to scratch and claw and fight for everything and to not really get any other production from anyone else on the team was a little uh, annoying watching the game because as Derek said this was a tough one but to see the lack of aggression from some of the players seeing Tobias Harris not attack enough out there on the floor when he had the basketball instead kicking the ball out and I thought after the last two outings, him playing better. Yes, Patrick Williams is a long 6'9", 6'10", wing guy, younger, can move his feet, can keep up with Tobias Harris, can cut off those driving lanes, can use that length to really challenge those pull-up jumpers or even close out on those three-pointers to make Tobias Harris think about it. I thought he was going to be a little more aggressive tonight, and I didn't see enough of that. Nick Batum had some open shots that he missed early on before exiting because of the hamstring injury. De'Anthony Melton had some pretty good looks not making those shots. Same thing for Kelly Oubre. He had some really good looks once he came into the game. You saw some some really staggering of the offense there when the second unit came in. Patrick mm-hmm. Beverly is your other guy trying to get you shots. And as good as he has been, that's not really his role. So they did. And all kidding aside, when we make the jokes about how important Marcus Morris has been over the past couple of weeks, you see the difference, I guess, because Nick Nurse even talked about it last week that he is a guy that knows how to score. And when you do miss that and you ask Robert Covington and even Daniel House to come in to try to clean up and take up some of that responsibility when he's not there and Tyrese Maxey struggling early on against that perimeter defense of both uh, Carter and Caruso, you can see where, and even Ayo DeSumo was playing up on him, using that length, using him as a starter tonight in the backcourt, really giving Tyrese Maxey problems. He figured it out in the second half, but a lot of issues there that we saw early on in the game to allow the Bulls to come in, the struggles on the offensive end for the Sixers, not name and beat, and, and that's where we are tonight. Yeah, but look, I don't want to focus too much on, e- even like asking like, like Covington trying to expand his role, what, how does Tobias Harris only end up with three shots? Like, yeah, you have a scorer in Marcus Morris out of the lineup. You need your other guys to step up. Harris to just completely defer, take three shots total, one, one three-pointer. Melton took all of five shots. Like, you needed some of those players to step up so that you're not asking that second unit. You know, when you stagger 
Tobias Harris to play with some bench players, he needs to be more aggressive. So you're not asking Patrick Beverly to sit there and try to generate offense or create offense off the bounce. So you're not relying on Paul. Paul Reed was your third leading scorer today with eight points. It was just, and Kelly Oubre was off. Um, like he had some pretty good looks at times. I've, I thought at, at times in the first half, there were a couple of possessions where he took some early jumpers. He didn't need to, but overall I thought he got some pretty good looks mm-hmm. and some pretty good baseline cuts. Just didn't really convert on very many of them. When he has an off night, you just needed somebody else to step up. You're paying Tobias Harris $40 million to be that third scorer. And I think Tobias had a couple of, of bounce back games here over the last couple. Today was a real down one. And he, he had some good moments defensively. Uh, and that, that call up, I'm sure we'll get to at some point, was questionable. You know, whenever you leave your feet on a pump fake, you're leaving yourself open to the ref making that call. And I did think he was, you know, drifting forward a little bit. So you're going to lose that call more often than not. But I thought he had some good moments defensively. You just need him to be aggressive. And he had one, like, sort of duck in post up early on. You thought, all right, maybe he will get going. And then he just wasn't there. Yeah, because he hit that early three. Yeah. And then he, t- he hit another shot. And it was, and it was like, a quick three, too. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you think. It's the it's, thing you've been, you and Kyle have been asking it's for. It's the kind of thing you see early on. You go, all right, maybe this is going to be a good Tobias night. And then he just disappeared. He absolutely did. So we want to get everybody in here as much as possible here tonight. So make sure you check in uh, with us. We do have a super chat from our good friend uh, Bernard McCoy. He says, y'all killed me last time for the, quote, not impressed end quote, comment, and B got tired again, and the last shot should have been a dagger three by Maxi. That's Bernard checking in. And uh, Bernard, I love when you jump in, as much as we love you, after why one game. We, why are we doing this? To why do are we, that. You had one player <laughs> Go show, ahead and live, man. The Go only ahead. player who it. showed up for the entirety of the game, and we're going to try to I told you so on that. Like, he had 40 and 14, six assists. He was the only one who showed up in the first half. Maxi joined him in the second half, but he was the only reason you were in that game. Why are we doing I told you so on Joel Embiid, a guy who's probably the front runner for MVP, a guy who just had a completely dominant and absurd six-game stretch stretch why but like what does that have to do with Tobias Harris taking three shots and don't tell me it's because Embiid took 28 no Tobias Harris had the ball and had opportunities why are we doing this why are why are some people so excited to say I told you so on a guy who's probably a top certainly right now the front runner for MVP and probably a top three to five listen I just don't get I I I disagree with it I'm with Derek on this one Bernard but again we thank you for the super we're gonna let you live with that one you can have that one you can enjoy it and, and and point that out because you know, go for it. We still have a whole bunch of games left on the season to play. What do we have? Still about uh, 56 games to play on the year. So go ahead. I'm going to let you live. Have at it, man. We appreciate the donation and always checking in. He's averaging uh, 34 per night and passing the ball I, I better than he ever has. Yeah. It's like you're just sitting here waiting for a loss so you can try to say you were right. It's yeah. very strange. Yeah, I, I, and I, I don't mean just you, Bernard. Like, there's a lot of people who are like that, especially sure. in Philly. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, Furious get it. jumps in with another donation. We appreciate it on the Super Chat. At some point, have to realize we need another score. Joel Embiid's points per game will drop by 6-8 to eight in the playoffs. Uh, what we can count on is Joel's defense intensity to pick up. Uh, trust that and get another score. And look, we never said that they didn't need another score to help out. We always said Maxi, though, could be good enough to do so. He gave you 29. So if you're looking at six to eight to drop, and he gave you, what is he averaging? 25.8, I believe, uh, Tyrese Maxi is. So I don't think his playoff average would drop to 20. If anything, maybe 22, 23. And beat if you're looking at it furious in that way, and you say his 33, you're going to drop to 25 to 27. Uh, that's what we've been talking about for the regular season, though. And if that is the case and his defense is still there, his rebounding is still there as well, but he's getting good looks. He's healthy going into the playoffs, and he's giving you good numbers overall, good overall production in the 40 minutes that he's playing. I don't mind if that happens. The question is, will you get the scoring from? If the team remains as such, Harris, Oubre, uh, Melton still hitting his shots. Morris coming off the bench as well with Ubre if he is still part of the team. If you're getting that production, that's one thing. But if you're looking to add that second, that third score potentially, if you don't trust Tobias Harris, then I, I, I get where you're going, Furious, because you still need people to score in the in the postseason. Yeah. The defense is going to pick up on the other side, and you need players that can get it done in that way. And to his point, I wrote something similar over at allphly.com for our diehard subscribers. I have a weekly likes and dislike column where I know, you know, basically I was talking about their offense, and their offense was, I think, second in the league at that point, and their defense was, like, I think somewhere around 15th. 
And I said, despite this discrepancy, and the offense has been extremely consistent. And they struggled a little bit here at times in this game. Um, but I don't think I should overshadow the fact that they've pretty much been a second-ranked offense for most of the season after that uh, last beatdown. They actually moved up to the top-ranked offense in the league, even overtaking the Pacers. Even with all that said, I agree with some of your base points that Joel Embiid's defense is going to pick up in the playoffs, and he's going to cover over a lot of these warts on defense, and he's going to struggle a little more in the playoffs. Um, it would be great to have another option. I agree with that. I don't know in terms of prioritizing exactly where you fall because there is a, you know, a lot of the offensive-focused players that we were talking about, or at least that are in the rumor mill, they tend to be really, really bad defensively. Mm -hmm. So you have to see who else shakes out because a lot of the options right now I don't necessarily love. But I think there's certainly something to that that you just need a reliable third option. Someone who can run a little offense when Embiid heads to the bench. Someone who can give you another uh, creator from the perimeter for when Maxi has an off night. Just someone who can you know, switch between different roles offensively depending on what the team needs. I don't think that's crazy. Uh, and Not exactly where, you know, as we get more information, as we see them go up against top defenses, we can learn a little more about that over the next couple of months. But it is the major question that we will ask ourselves because we saw, you know, them go against one of the, maybe the defensive options in Caruso here today. Uh, like I said, a lot of the other trade candidates tend to be maybe outside of OG tend to be offensively focused. You're going to have to pick someone who is imperfect uh, and which what you're willing to live without will be a it's a fair question even like i said coming into this game they're the number one ranked offense in the league i think some of their struggles here tonight were a little bit fluky like they shot where are they they shot three pointers five for 18 on shots between four and 14 feet mm. that's not going to happen very often mm -hmm. that was a little bit unlucky in that regard they only shot 17 for 28 at the rim which is well below their season averages they're going to play better most nights even even noting that chicago's perimeter defense was really strong but it would be great just to have another option or two that you really uh, trust. I have a sure. question for you uh, when we get back because it's, it's along the lines of the shot selection tonight. Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, etc. We'll get to that in just a second. First, we want to tell you about Wheelhouse Cards. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because a love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as t-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 brand junk food starter, and Shive Vintage Sports. If you're looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. Open seven days per week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in store. Be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. Hey, after you do that and you're looking for a good game or a good outing some other way, make sure you check out our good friends from Game Time. We've been telling you about them for quite some time now and they are a great place to go to acquire tickets not just for of course sports but also music comedy theater as well buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is fast and easy way to buy the tickets for all of those events with killer deals on the last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you are going to have let me tell you about a few things. Flash deals, last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Images of the seat views of where you would like to sit and your viewing pleasure, of course, as you're watching whatever it is you're watching. Lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation protection, job loss protection as well. And big game on Wednesday for Philadelphia, hosting Minnesota here on the basketball side of things. If you want to be there, this is the place to go. Forget about planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event if that's not there for you so get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts soccer hockey theater and more the game time guarantee means you'll always get always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section in row for less game time will in fact credit you 110 percent of the difference snag those tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code phly for 20 dollars off of your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code phly for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest prices guaranteed all right 
the last play uh, offensively where the Sixers had a chance to tie it at 106 after DeMar DeRozan missed one free throw, 106-104. Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, their patented pick-and-roll yep. opportunity. Maxey hit him with a good pass. I thought Embiid rushed it a little bit, and that's why he lost yeah. it. Uh, a few plays before on the possession, Maxey did not hit him with the pocket pass, tried to drive left, finish at the rim, and he had a tough reverse opportunity. I thought he should have hit Embiid again uh, on the same roll because it was working. That pass to Embiid for that short jumper was working for him, and that roll to finish for the, bas- uh, the uh, finish at the cup was also working. So maybe that was something that they discussed in a timeout where he had to rush that one. Uh, Maxi did with the reverse opportunity against Vucevic and some of those other bigger guys down there. We've seen him finish it before, but just making the right play. And I understood. Use the speed, get there, uh, maybe finish at the room, get the easy, quick two points instead of putting Embiid in that tough spot in the middle of the floor. But what did you see on that play? Was it just simply him rushing it, or he just lost it because it just went off his fingertips? Yeah, I mean, he might have rushed it a little bit, but I think sometimes fluke things happen like that. And if they happen at the last play of the game, we tend to read a lot into it. Uh, I thought... Look, whenever you get Embiid on a short roll, and it wasn't even really a short roll, it was a pretty deep roll. It was. Uh, at the last seconds of the game off a design play, like, I'm not going to complain about that. I'm not going to complain about the play call. I'm not going to complain about the decision for Maxi to find him. It just sometimes it doesn't work out, even when you get uh, in good spots. Um, no, I was, I was okay with the play. Again, not a complaint from me. I just felt like he rushed it a little bit because he was up against the, the uh, clock and he really wanted to get a shot up. And you know those, but those things happen, and that's my point uh, that those things do just happen. All right, but here's my question that I wanted to lead uh, into because on the night you had from Joel Embiid finishing with the 40 he took on the evening overall, 28 shots, got to the free throw line, making eight of nine. Tyrese Maxey, he took 11 threes, made five of them, six made uh, free throws, nine of 23. Ten shots from Kelly Oubre off the bench. That's the sec- third highest on the team. And as you laid out, Paul Reed was the only other player to finish in double figures. Now, my question, though, is this. Watching the game the way that you did in the arena, you come back to the studio and you watch it. Did you feel like there was more of an emphasis on Embiid to get his shots off and slow down the offense like we've seen in the Doc Rivers-led offense? Or was the passing there and other guys were aggressive enough with the touches that they had and not getting shots off? I don't actually think Joel Embiid was all that ball dominant today. Like, certainly he got his looks up, um, but I don't think it necessarily killed the flow of the offense too much. Uh, And I think sometimes when players don't take their opportunities – it becomes real easy to then focus on the players who have to bail them out. And I feel like at times, Maxi and Embiid were getting the ball on the late clock, having to bail out a lot of indecision from a lot of other players. I think they just needed Tobias Harris to be more aggressive. I think they just needed, even DeAnthony Melton, I thought, passed some open shots. Um, I think they just needed some players to be a little bit more aggressive. And maybe that's why, you know, you have Kelly Oubre. He doesn't usually play 24 a night. He played a, pr- a pretty good chunk of minutes there. At the very least, he was aggressive. Um, no, I, I thought a lot of players just passed up some shots. I really don't think the flow of the offense was all that bad. We can certainly nitpick a possession or two here. Um, no, I, I, I put it mostly I agree on with the you. role players. I, I agree with you. I thought that, as we said at the top, I, I thought that they were less aggressive when they had the opportunity, the ball swinging to them, touching the basketball. Yes, and B got the rock, and with that, typically, he will take his time and maybe bleed five seconds before he makes a decision of what he wants to do. But I thought the players had the ball in their hands, had opportunities, and simply didn't do anything with it. Therefore, when the ball found Joel Embiid or Tyrese Maxey, they did something with it. And that's where I looked at. But I know that there is a lot of discussion looking at social media, having discussions even when they were winning during the six-game winning streak where, yes, the ball was moving. He was still getting his assists. And he did have six assists tonight. But there's still that discussion out there that he's holding the ball. The guys now around him are now standing. Things yeah. are stagnant. So if but he's like, holding the ball, they're not moving, and that's his fault. Sure, but, like, Kelly wasn't stagnant. Kelly was making those baseline cuts whenever they were there. And so if Kelly can do it, why can't anyone else do it? And the problem with Kelly Oubre is he's not a passer, like a complete zero as a passer. So when his shot's not going in, he's not going to provide any real value offensively. But if he can cut, everyone else can cut. I agree. 
those cutting lanes are still there. I think Embiid was willing to make them. There was just a lack of movement, and even when the ball was swung, there was then a lack of decision-making, a lack of decisiveness. Um, no, I think I put this one mostly on the role players. I, I really agree. Do. I agree 100% with you, and I saw something earlier, and I wanted to bring it up because I did have in my notes. Messenger said on the chat that Covington missed that layup. That was a game-changing moment. The yeah. crowd was ready to explode. The Sixers were ready to go on a run. They were already on a run, and he missed that layup. Great pass. I can't remember who it was from. I want to say it was from uh, because that one was when the reserves were still in there and Embiid wasn't on the floor. Paul right. Reed was out there for those minutes. And I think it came from Oubre hitting Covington where he drew the attention. Covington cut baseline finally for a good cut. And he just missed the wide open layup. And Covington, we've seen that before in the past. As good as he has been, he still has that in him, putting the ball on the floor, losing it. Cutting, missing open layups, things of that nature. Those things happen, and that's why we do look at when a night on a night where Embiid is having a good night like this, Maxi picked it up in the second half. Every possession counts. Every shot matters, especially close to the rim, and you have to make those. He missed that opportunity. That was an easy bunny right there that he just flat out blew. Yeah. Flat yeah. out blew it. We did have a, a super chat earlier, um, and we try to go out of our way. Papa G-Day, we appreciate it. You're a, a very regular um, chatter, so we appreciate that, and we appreciate the super chat. But if you have a problem with another writer or the content that they're doing, talk to them. Like, bring it up to them on, on Twitter, on social media, what have you. Uh, we are not here to debate other writers, really. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yep, absolutely. And I'm certainly not going to go up like, hey, we have a YouTube commenter. Please stop writing about this. Like, it's not real, a realistic request. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Barbara Carroll says, uh, you can't play the Pistons, Wizards, Spurs, et cetera. Every game does matter. But they're 18, we and, know. They're 18 and 5 in games that you all Embiid plays. <laughs> yes. Like, you're not going to, you're just not going to go 82 and 0. I don't, I don't yeah. care. What did you think of later in the game because of no Mark, Marcus Morris? I, I, I imagine this is why it went this way. What did you make of the Embiid, Paul Reed minutes on the floor at the same so time? It was the first time they've been on the floor together in non-garbage time possessions. So it was the first all year. I was surprised because it's not even like Chicago's like a super great offensive rebounding team. They're not a great offensive team in general. So I was a little surprised. Uh, and it's not like what, what are the Sixers? What was the, the rebounding differential? I don't think the Sixers got absolutely eh, – they got beat on the glass but not completely destroyed. You know, I think when that happens, there were two things. First, there was a, a play where Paul Reed was late on a closeout mm -hmm. uh, on, the, on a, a slot three. And that's the kind of thing when you have two bigs on, they're not really used to sort of playing out on the perimeter like that. Then another one where Paul Reed was out on the corner, and rather than get back in transition, he, he went and crashed the offensive glass. They got a real easy transition bucket uh, and timeout Sixers, and I think Paul Reed was taken out right after that. There's just a, first of all, I don't love the floor spacing. Uh, in, in those lineups. So I don't, I've never really been a proponent of seeing him regularly. And I think when you change Paul's role like that, I think it leads to mistakes. And I think there are two pretty big mistakes in a very limited, uh, very limited minutes in this game. That would be an adjustment. If you're going to try it out, I almost think, even though I don't like it, I almost think you have to commit to it just because it is a very different role for, for Paul Reed and it's going to take some adjustment. And I, I think you saw that here where I'm not entirely sure he knew exactly what his role was. And I don't remember if at that time, I don't remember if Batum had already exited the game for the remainder of the game, uh, but I, I know I saw three bigs on the floor like that. No, you know what? I believe it was Harris with Reed and Embiid. Oubre was already gone uh, for, for the night. And I was very curious because we've talked about it that we hadn't seen a lot of it. And we've been curious, right. you know, is, 
Nick Nurse is going to try some of these different things that we've been waiting for when it comes to Reed and Embiid being on the floor at the same time in that front court. And we saw it. And I agree. He was he was a little lost at times. And it, it just it just didn't work all that well tonight. I hope he doesn't abandon it. But it was clear for me that with both uh, Batum and Morris absent from this at that point, that he, he wanted to try something. Daniel House got that run early. He had a, a three-pointer, but we didn't see him again, really, yeah. until, you know, for the rest of the game. And that's just where things were on the night. And I was very, very curious as, of, of what you thought, what the, what the viewers thought, as Paul Reed was out there uh, for that one. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I've never been a big proponent of Paul Reed and Embiid lineups. Uh, like I said, I think the lack of floor spacing, the lack of decision making, the last lack of ball handling, I don't necessarily think all of those downsides are worth the uptick in rebounding. And I think, like I said, if Paul Reed's never going to do it, he's going to make mistakes when he's given a possession or two or three randomly in the middle of a season. So I, I, on the one hand, like I do think it would be better for Paul if you gave him more opportunities to do that. On the other hand, it's tough for me to really be a proponent of that because I don't believe in that pairing. So it's a, it's a bit of a tough spot for me. Uh, we want to make sure we let everybody know that tomorrow we have an earlier show tomorrow. Yeah. Beginning at 1130, we're really looking forward to this one as we head to the Reading Terminal for the Reading Terminal Market show live from Reading Terminal. That's presented by Bagels and Company tomorrow. Uh, we're hanging out with you Tuesday, December 29th. That's tomorrow. At 1130, we have our full slate on all of our social channels. Follow us at PHLY underscore sports. Check us out. See what the uh, lineup looks like tomorrow. I believe the Phillies have first shot at 10 o'clock, I believe, uh, yeah. tomorrow. Then we run at 11.30, and then things follow thereafter with the Flyers and the Eagles. And then we uh, have the Eagles later. I mean, the Flyers tomorrow, post-game, as they are, are getting after yep. it tomorrow as well. So make sure you tune in tomorrow, 10 o'clock start time, live from Reading Terminal, the Phillies. Then we're up at 11.30. Flyers, Eagles follow post-game with the Flyers back at the studio tomorrow night. Hopefully we have a lot of good food to talk yep. about as well. We have some, some other things with Embiid conversation, maybe MVP talk, a little Tyrese Maxey conversation, team overall coming off of a loss, some things that we can take from maybe some press conferences tonight that Kyle will join us later to tell us what the coaches and the players said post-game. So we look forward to that. Hopefully you can come out tomorrow. If you're working in Center City, you're already down there. You might as well come over, get your lunch, hang out with us for a little bit, introduce yourselves, and uh, we'll have a great time at the Reading Terminal tomorrow. Yeah, uh, Ramich bringing up a good point. The two-big lineup might have been an effort by Nick Nurse to prevent Embiid from picking up any more fouls because he got in some foul trouble there mm -hmm. in the second half. Could be. Could be. But then again, it's not like that was the first game that Joel Embiid's had foul trouble, so it's a little surprising that this was the first time they brought it out all season. All right. Ian says it will be there tomorrow. I will be there. Thank you, Ian. We'll hope to see you there tomorrow. Let me ask you a question about Tyrese Maxey because you brought up earlier where the defensive pressure from, and we already know this, but this is why we talk about Caruso in a positive way, maybe joining sixes by the deadline, his defensive acumen, yeah. what he does as a connector, as, as you guys like to say, on the floor. He just knows what to do out there on the floor. Defensively, he was dogging He was MB fantastic early, in the first I mean, half, uh, yep. Maxey early. And then when we saw, again, Javon Carter coming in, he got a three-year deal, yep. good money because he's a good point guard as a backup. And that, where he would hound you for 94 yep. feet. All right, maybe not 94. I'll hound you for 75 feet uh, of the floor to not let you get into your sets, to not let you get your offense rolling. And that was a big reason why Maxey struggled in the first first half what did you make of those two guys with what the coaching staff wanted them to do I, I thought they were fantastic early on really giving him problems yeah and I want to sort of like have a PSA because I've seen it misspelled a couple times here in, in the chat it is Kobe White not Colby there's no L uh, it's pronounced almost exactly like Kobe in Kobe Bryant just spelled completely differently mm -hmm. like 75% of the letters are different but the pronunciation is the same it is actually short for Jacoby uh, his his middle name, I think, is Jacoby. I think he's, his first name is Alec. But anyway, mm -hmm. it is Kobe White, not Colby White. Yes. You know, I think this is one of the real benefits and, and why we were a little bit lukewarm of Zach Levine. Yeah, he is a, a tremendous offensive talent. He is a terrible, terrible defender. And when you replace his minutes with... You know, people like Carter, maybe a bump in Caruso's minutes, with Kobe White having more of a chance to shine, you have a better defensive squad. And... 
Carter and Caruso specifically were incredible defensively in the first half. I thought they really changed the tenor of the game off the bench. Uh, and Tyrese Maxey did have a real tough time struggling. And you saw, you know, uh, Nick Nurse even have Maxey come off ball a little bit, come running off of some screens a little bit just to get himself free. He had a nice, uh, you know, off-screen three off of a double drag there in the, the second half to get one of his buckets. Um, but I thought he just needed something to get him going and bringing him off ball at times helped him do that because he had a tough time shedding those defenders. Uh, they were really, really good in a way that the Sixers' point of attack defense lacks. And I'm sure as we get closer to deadline, we will talk about that more because Caruso is one of the names that is pretty consistently linked on the market. I'm not entirely sure what Chicago is going to do because Chicago might be in job preservation mode and having those kinds of players, they don't they haven't really signaled that they're looking for a complete rebuild. So Caruso is someone who you might want to keep around. And the reported price is mm-hmm. is very high, I think, because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they were they were real good. And Caruso had some tough finishes, some tough tough layups inside. Uh, they they were both real good. Yeah, and look, they didn't even start right. Io Desuma was in the backcourt with Kobe White to start the game, and he played, uh, I believe, about 19 minutes. Where you saw 30 from Alex Caruso, Javon Carter coming in doing the job that they asked him to do. I thought it was just a really good job coaching of, of what they were asking their guys to come in and change the complexion of it because of what the Sixers were doing, getting out to that early lead, leading by 12 very early on twice, and then they come in and they just really disrupted things of what Maxi was able to do, and you saw that. So what does that do? Then that puts pressure on everybody else from Melton to Harris to do their job of what we were talking about the top of the show to simply ask you to go out there and and do your part as that other piece to make sure you take some of the pressure off of both Joel Embiid and of course off of DeAnthony Melton with the ball handling with the shooting do that do those things where you can maybe get Maxi some easier shots with the flow of the offense as the ball is moving, maybe not from just Joel Embiid passing the ball, you know, as a, a two-man game because he may be holding the ball a little bit too long, but from everyone else making sure that they set those screens because, look, they were setting the screens on Alex Caruso. He was just simply doing the right thing by the way he was fighting through them, fighting over the top to make sure that he stayed connected to yep. Maxi on his hip. Yep. And even when Maxi did seemingly have a little bit of a step, he may have peaked the other way, and the guy was right back in position to be on his hip to really disrupt what he wanted to do. So uh, we're giving a lot of credit to Chicago, but this is because this is what we're going to see from Maxi later on. We don't want people to panic about, hey, Tyrese Maxey, this is why you need that third score, like we saw a little bit earlier in one of the comments. Yes, you still might need that. The guy can still, we think, get it done. But this is the type of pressure that he's going to face in the postseason. And even at the end of the regular season, when things really start to bog down and you're still facing those tough opponents, maybe some positioning from those other teams that they face for playoffs, this is what we're going to see. And he has to be ready to step up to that challenge to make sure that that does not take him out of his game and what he is really good at. Yeah. And look, I think when you when you talk about the ramp up in competition for players, there's almost nobody that's tougher than tougher on than short scoring guards. And we've talked about this at times in the past about um, Steph Curry and his ascension and the number of leaps he made over the years. Part of that was just learning how to get to his spots, how to free himself, how to get good looks in a a, a big man's league, or at least a a big wings league. And that's not only skill development, but that's also just learning the tricks of the trade. And it is going to be tough on Maxi just because he's never been the focal point in the playoffs before. He's going to be asked a lot of. It's in part why, even if you believe in Tyrese Maxey, you'd love to get some more help because asking him to be a, a you know number two on a championship team is a very tough thing for a 23-year-old who is just, uh, you know like I said, just the, the focal point for the first time in his career. But that's where they are. Um, they really need him to step up and be his 28-year-old version at 23. It was a tough night for him. I like the way he bounced back in the second half. He made some yep. huge, huge, huge threes. I thought he got into the paint at times at well as uh, as well. Um, but it was, it was a very up-and-down game for him, for sure. No, it really was. And uh, looking at the Sixers tonight, just to be clear, they protected the basketball tonight, only turning the ball 12 times. I thought when Embiid was off the floor, specifically in the second half, I saw our buddy Vince put up earlier when the second unit was in, the ball was moving, Maxi as the, the main guy. Uh, but I also know that 
while that is true, and that's where they did cut into that lead, I thought Maxi took three straight possessions where he didn't pass the ball. Yeah. He took two tough fadeaways along the baseline, as good as he was in the second half. I thought that the ball movement wasn't there because he was he was looking to make sure that, hey, we're down two. They're coming down the floor because there's no protection at the rim. Paul Reed and others weren't protecting the paint the way that we've seen with them beat out on the floor. They were getting those buckets in the paint. They were hitting their shots. So Maxi took it upon himself to go out there and take kind of, you know, hero shots there uh, for him where that's a little uncharacteristic of him in a moment like that. But after that, he did with the connectors of the others, passed the ball, the movement was there, they finished, they got some buckets, they cut into that lead and Embiid and the rest of the guys came in with just about six minutes to play in the fourth quarter. But he did do that. And, and my, my point of it is, is that he also, you know, understanding that, yes, he is the best player on the floor when Embiid is not for the Sixers side, he has to be careful with things like that because while on the other end you may feel like we're rolling, certain things are happening, you can't allow things like that to happen when you're taking bad shots. And I brought up the whole point to start off with Embiid out. They were just parading to the, to the paint during yeah. that stretch in the fourth quarter with Embiid out. And overall, it was 46 to 44 in the paint. That doesn't seem like much, but again, it's when it happens. And when it did happen during that stretch, Embiid on the bench, they had no rim protection. It was just a pathway easily getting to the basket and finishing. Yeah. And not, like I said, not only that, not only was it a pathway to the basket, but the Sixers didn't force a turnover in 20 consecutive minutes of play. That's a wild stat, uh, and you felt that every is. bit of it. And it impacts you on both ends. Not only is that possessions that you're not gaining, but it's also transition opportunities that you're not getting. It's putting your offense in the in the half court um, every trip down the floor. Uh, they really could have used an easy bucket or two to stem the tide. I do want to ask this, giving credit what credit is due on the other side. Kobe White, 9 of 17 tonight. He played just a second under 40 minutes tonight. He almost had a triple-double. We mentioned that earlier. 24 points, 9 assists, 8 boards, and just 2 turnovers on the night for Kobe White. Man, he has really surprised me because after a couple of years, I was like, okay, he can start sometimes, but he's probably a six-man that can run the offense mm-hmm. and still score. He is really turning his, his career around, at least it looks like right now, where these last couple of months, I think he was like player of the week already once during this stretch. Bulls playing much better. He is looking like a, a guy that is not looking to give up that starting role yeah, anytime soon. Look, in the 13 games leading up to this one, he was averaging 23.4 points, shooting 50% from the field, and 50.4% from three on nine and a half attempts per game. That is a very extended stretch of excellent play. Uh, he has stepped up in a way. Like you, like you, I didn't know he had this in him. And really, I don't, how, how much longer is Zach Levine out for? He's out for a little bit yeah. yet still. Yeah, yeah. Um, it will Chicago, if this is true and this is who he is and he has a sleep in him, that is a very fortuitous uh, spot for not a spot for Chicago to be in because overall I think they're really asset poor and in a bad spot. But that is a, a great boost in what had otherwise been a really down start to their season. And if they do that in a way that it, it could eventually get there, like Derek is talking about, as we've seen, six is there last nine, as Derek talked about, on a winning streak, playing very well. Everybody's playing well. Even this tough shooting night tonight from DeMar DeRozan, felt like he got good looks, though. He took good shots. Yeah. And he only finished with 15 points on 5 of 15 shooting. Um, didn't attempt a three-pointer tonight, so everybody went I, I, I was talking about DeMar DeRozan as being one of those guys. You can get on me because he didn't take a three-pointer. That being said... You had, it, it seems like, again, on, on their assist, 24 and 42 made baskets. A little lopsided there, same with the Sixers, 23 on 38. But the team is playing well. And when we're looking at Caruso, maybe even DeRozan, or, or someone else, if it's Levine still in your, in your eyesight, is somebody that you might want the Sixers to go after during the deadline, the way that they're playing right now, if they keep this up and they eventually maybe get to a little bit higher in the standings, you might have to scratch off, folks. Alex Caruso or DeRozan or Levine on that list, or maybe Levine is still going. I saw his name mentioned also potentially with the Sacramento Kings uh, to, to, to be a backcourt partner with De'Aaron Fox. If they keep playing this way, they might be a team that can be a little bit annoying in the playoffs as you try to move from that first round into that second, and, and they give you a, a really good first round 
if he continues to play that way and this team plays that way. Patrick Williams also, you know, a decent active night. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if there's one good thing for the Bulls, uh, there are a lot of other teams. Like the, There's a top of the East, and then there's a whole bunch of teams grouped up. Uh, whether that is surprisingly, I think Cleveland for a lot of people, um, but there's you know three or four teams, uh, I think four teams with between 15 and 17 losses. So there's certainly like their season's not over, but they do still have a lot of uphill to climb. Like at, at, at what are they now? I think 11 and 17 on the season. Um, there's a, a lot of teams for them to jump. Uh, three uh, three games this week that we talked about before the Christmas game next Monday. That is tonight with the Bulls Wednesday, the marquee game, if you will, against the Minnesota Timberwolves playing very well out in the West. And then you had the Toronto Raptors on Friday. When you looked at the three, I looked at it and said, go two and one this week. We know yep. you just had a tough, uh, easy stretch. Go two and one. All three of them on your home floor. Go two and one on your home floor. They dropped this one. And this was actually one that I thought they would win. Maybe defeating Minnesota in a revenge game, losing in Minnesota already earlier in the campaign. And then taking care of uh, maybe losing, dropping, letting it go against Toronto, if you will. They dropped this one. A tough one, as Derek said, from the start of the show. Two and one, though, still up there for them as Minnesota get ready, gets ready to come in here on Wednesday. Yeah, and look, Minnesota is not just the best defense in the league, but it's not even really close. Uh, Boston is the number two ranked defense in the league uh, at 109.4. Defensive rating, uh, that's points allowed per 100 possessions. Minnesota's at 107.2, so that's over two points per 100 possessions better than the second ranked defense in the league. Um, they have been playing fantastic, fantastic, fantastic basketball. And they don't even really do it. Like, they, they, they just force you into really tough shots. They're not a super high turnover team. They're about mid-pack in terms of forcing turnovers. They don't let you get to the free throw line. They don't give you easy looks. They're a real fundamentally sound defensive squad, and I think the Sixers, it's going to be a real good test. Because we have, I've noted it in the past how consistent this Sixers offense has been throughout the season. Obviously, that was up until tonight's game. But they were pretty much a top two or top three offense the entire season. Uh, they had had good success against top ten defenses uh, with the fourth-ranked um, offensive rating in the league when playing against top ten defenses. This will be as big. And the last time they played, and one of those games against the top 10 defense was against Minnesota where they played without Embiid. Yep. This is a, like you mentioned, a rematch, but a chance to go up against them with their full squad for the first time. This will be a really, really good test. Minnesota 9-1 and one over their last 10. Mm -hmm. They defeated the Miami Heat tonight as they sit atop the Western Conference, a three-game lead right now over the OKC Thunder. Four games up on the Mavs and the Nuggets, four and a half on the Kings and the Clippers. This Minnesota team, folks, is pretty darn good. Anthony Edwards, two years ago, that was his franchise. It's really his franchise yeah. now, without question. And Carl Anthony Towns... <laughs> to his credit, is not trying to snatch it away anymore. Yeah. He's falling right into his role as the number two guy on a contending team. You can still make the all-star squad that way because typically you get two of those guys in the all-star game when you are the top team in your conference around that time. That team is really good. They beat the Miami Heat tonight, 112-108. Uh, another just solid game with, from Edwards with 32 points tonight, 18 from Towns, where you got a double-double. Well, pardon me, you didn't get a double-double. Gobert, 16 boards, two block shots. The team is very well constructed. Mike Conley with 12. Jalen McDaniels is back and healthy, as you yep. mentioned. Very, very good defensive player. And 15 off the bench for Nas Reed, who many times we've talked about wanting to steal him from them before he became this player where you thought you can steal him, get him at a low number. Not anymore. That dude should be – he could start in this league, I think, as, as a five-man, but he's in a really good role with them. So get ready, folks, because this is going to be a, a good one. This is going to be a good one on, on Wednesday night. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned, that's a, a on the one hand, I feel like they became the butt of jokes because of the Rudy Gobert trade, yes, which was just an absurd, ridiculous overpay. I can't believe it happened, but and, it, and frankly, it sort of like reset the market on quote unquote star level trades. Drew Holiday to, for yeah, first round to picks. an almost impossible <laughs> yeah. degree that right. you can't even really follow up on. But that does sort of obscure how well the Wolves have done in terms of team building and, and getting a lot of these draft pick rights. I and mean, what was McDaniels as a pick? Well, he, he was, was a second round pick or late first? No, late first. Late first. Uh, but he was pretty yeah. late into the 20s and he yeah. signed a really big contract despite the fact that he averages nine and a half points a game. The reason he got that big contract, he is an incredible defender. He's an active defender. He's a very versatile defender uh, and he can smother you. And that is just a... a I, I really enjoy watching them play actually. Um, I do too. 
I do too. That's one of the teams that I'm saying when we're done and if, if I'm home, I turn, I, I find theirs first. And well, obviously the other one that I follow first, but the, the non Sure, sure, sure. Non-family related. Yeah, non-family non related. Yep. I, I go to Minnesota. I go to Oklahoma City to, to see what they're doing because I, I like watching those two teams. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. No, and look, Chris Finch was my preseason pick for coach of the year. Oh. And I thought when they hired him midseason the way that they did, I thought it was a weak way that they went about it. Yeah. But he has turned out to be the right, done real good. the right one. And I wasn't sure with Connolly, that even though we know what he did in Denver, it was more of well, as soon as he comes in and makes that deal, it's like, yeah. I don't know about this. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe the Gobert trade. And look, he's a big part of their defense. You don't want to say otherwise. It was still an overpay. Part of that is just the, um, the one of the biggest ways you can rip off a team is find the team with new ownership. They tend to like the mm-hmm. make splashy trades, and mm-hmm. I think that was part of that as well. Um, but my point with Finch is I expect them to be good. I expect them to be better. In no way did I expect 19-5 and five and by far and away the best defense in the league. They're not even, like, offensively, they're a mid-pack team. They're yes. nothing special offensively. They are Except at for that, Edwards. <laughs> right, but as a team, they are nothing special offensively. They are at that position where they are at the top of the Western Conference because they have a suffocating, smothering, really consistent defense, and that will be a, a real tough test. I also think before we – Kyle's ready for us. Before we get to Kyle, the other thing that I think uh, really helped him out, getting rid of D'Angelo Russell and replacing him with Mike Conley. Yep to actually understand his role, run the team, and, th- and he's cool with that. So, yeah, I yeah, appreciate everybody checking in. We'll get to some of the guys here on the chat. Uh, people coming at Vince, too, for some of his takes on Embiid on, on the chat. But right now, let's head to the arena, head to the center, site of the Sixers falling tonight by four points tonight, 108 104, our guy, our partner in crime. We'll see him tomorrow, and you will see him tomorrow when you show up at the Reading Terminal. Kyle Aww. Newbeck. What's up, Kyle? Don't threaten the listeners uh, like that. Oh, threat. <laughs> I, I I'm hanging in there, boys. You know, not, a, uh, not their best performance tonight, obviously, and I'm sure most people were watching the Eagles game, so probably a, a good time for them to slide a, a game like this in there under the radar. I guess starting off, what is the status of Nico Batum? Uh, so what we were told by Nick Nurse after the game is that he had complained that it was sore and the medical staff had advised, you know, let's be, take the precaution of sitting him for the rest of this game. Uh, we don't have much more than that now. I think we're probably going to get more concrete update at some point tomorrow, at least maybe an indication of whether this is going to hold him out for the future, or even just missing a game against Minnesota. But uh, didn't sound great, didn't sound awful either. And it was a hamstring. Yes, it was. Ham- I think the team characterized it officially as hamstring tightness was right. the, the designation. So I, I actually think that's what they labeled Joel's thing yeah. that he came into the game with, and then he scored 40 points. So hopefully... You know, maybe are, are you predicting a 40-point bomb from uh, Nico on Wednesday? Uh, I am not indeed <laughs> predicting 40 points from Batum in their next game against the best defense in the league there. Uh, you mentioned that 40-point uh, performance again from Bede, another strong game, and it, of course it would look much better in a victory. Uh, but, you know, there are some questions out there, once again, it, holding on to the ball too long, uh, not enough of the others getting the, the job done because only he and Maxie finished tonight in double figures. Kyle, how do you look at it when you see – and B getting that number. We talked about it before, escaping Washington with a 50-point night. But when we did that game that night and we did our post-game show, you know, you pointed out, taking the other team lightly, number one. But also, if you guys are not doing much on your side of things, the same thing can happen where he has to go out there and give a big-time night. Did you see it tonight where he, he, you needed every bit of that 40 because the others weren't doing anything? Or was it more of the ball was going to him, it was sticking too much, and it wasn't enough ball movement as we've seen over the last couple of weeks? I'd say probably in the middle, but I'd lean more toward the rest of the guys let him down for most of that game. I mean, even, look, Tyrese Maxey had some awesome moments in that fourth quarter, but I thought for maybe the first two and a half quarters, he was struggling to 
get around guys like Caruso. Now, in fairness, they have a lot of good point of attack defenders on that team between Caruso, Ayo Dosunmu. I don't want to mispronounce his name. Ayo Dosunmu. So I was about to really tongue-tie myself on that one. Although a lot he had of a bells in there. <laughs> Javon Carter, certainly a, uh, a good point of attack defender as well. So they were getting him to go east and west a lot. I thought he had some uncharacteristic turnovers. So when Maxi's struggling, and then I'm sure you guys probably crushed Tobias on the show if you have not, but Tobias just completely uninvolved, uninspired in that game, like comes out early in the game, puts uh, Patrick Williams in the mid post and bricks a shot. And that's like the extent of his aggression for the game to come out of that game with three points is it's hard to say, hey, it's Joel's fault that Tobias did basically nothing the entire night. So while there was some of that, you know, jab, step, jab, step, jab, step offense from Joel, I thought his time wore on. It was probably more a necessity than him freezing out his teammates. I agree. It was more on the teammates, uh, the supporting cast, not getting it done. And to your point of Maxi finishing with 29, great rebound in the second half to get that high of double figures. But you brought up the defense from the perimeter guys in Chicago. We talked about it as well. And it's something that we're probably going to see in the postseason if we allow ourselves to look there. Uh, he did rebound. But were you a little bothered a little bit there in the beginning because of how they were defending him? He was a little less aggressive than we've seen before attacking that, uh, attacking that type of defense in the, in the past. Tonight it seemed to really bother him in those first two quarters. Yeah, and look, whenever Tyrese has a slow start and then comes on at the end, he never basically never gives the defense any credit on the other team. It's always, I got to be more aggressive. I'm looking to set guys up, this and that. And I get it. Like, it's, he always feels it's within him to have these types of runs. And there was definitely some, hey, I got to be the setup man mentality early. But look, this is a storyline we're going to be focusing on over the long term is like, what does Tyrese do against tough physical defense on the perimeter obviously if he's hitting step back threes that doesn't really matter right like that's kind of an unguardable shot there's a reason that guys like dame lillard james harden etc have made that such an essential part of their game is because if you're good at that that's basically unable to be stopped that the, the defenses can put whoever on you they can play up on you as much as they want but you're stepping, you know, six feet back to take a jumper. Like that's, it's not designed to be guardable. So yeah, I, I do worry about the style of matchups for him. Not that Chicago is a world beating team, but they have a bunch of guys they can throw at him to slow him down. And we're gonna have to see how he deals with it over time. what do you think of their overall defensive performance? Um, they ended up obviously giving up what I think 12 made three pointers to the bulls. Uh, they went a, a solid, almost, two quarters without forcing a turnover. Uh, what did you think of their night on defense? So Nick talked about this, um, Nick Nurse. I always have to clarify that. I know it's Nico, <laughs> but yeah, still I think to. we're pretty consistent in calling him Nico. So I think Nick can only be Nurse. I think it's fair. Okay, that's point. fair. So I actually thought they came out strong on defense. I thought they were forced in Chicago into the shots that they probably wanted them to take. And I thought Joel Embiid in particular looked really good at the rim in the first, you know, five to ten minutes maybe of that game. Uh, afterward, I, Tyrese got at this a little bit. I think their offensive struggles bled into the defense, right? Where when the other team's pulling the ball out of the basket over and over again, it's hard for them to get into their sets early, get cross matches and transitions, so on and so forth. And so because the offense went off a cliff, I thought that there was a direct tie to the defense. I would also say, you know, as good as Joel was for a lot of that game, I thought the foul trouble really messed with yeah. him on the defensive end specifically. I thought there were also some plays where he just didn't feel like closing out on Nick Vucevic and said, <laughs> you know, well, I'll, I'll live with if he's going to take a three or you know, step into a mid-range jumper, whatever he's going to do. And I thought Vooch punished him a little bit in the last maybe quarter and a half of play. So. Joel certainly got the better of that matchup overall, but I thought that, that was a not a terrible job by him, but certainly below average job by him after what I thought was a really strong start. Vucevic with a big three, too, in that 
that late run that the Bulls had yep. to uh, really extend that lead, force a timeout by Nick Nurse. Uh, since we talked about the struggles, a good night for us, Kyle. He doesn't even play in a good night for us when you don't have Marcus Morris and nobody else can get shots off. It's a good night for, the, for our Marcus Morris side of things here. The Morris hive is, is really just, we're killing <laughs> it's it. It's developing. Right <laughs> uh, so I would, to that point, Devon, this is Kelly Oubre's worst game of the year, yeah. and I don't think it's even really close. Uh, some of that is just he missed open shots. You can live with that, right? Like, long season, guys are going to have games where, and he did hit one pretty important three late in the game on a, a cross-court pass from Joel out of a double team that looked like they were starting to build some momentum. Probably would have been pulled obviously if Nick Batum had been healthy enough to, to go at the end, so that played a part in it. But Derek and I actually were talking during the first half about there were some shots and some possessions where I thought it was the, the off-script, forced shot, bad, long-two type of jumper that I'm sure Nick Nurse would discourage and other coaches have discouraged throughout his career. Like Those are the type of plays that you can't have happen. And so that we saw kind of the downside of Kelly Oubre, maybe the Kelly Oubre that Derek and I came into the season expecting. Now, obviously, it's only one game, and I think the body of work up to this point has been strong. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, say, tough night, but shake it off. So, yeah, when Kelly's having that type of night, not having Marcus and that scoring punch, or not having really any scoring punch off the bench for that matter, really came back to bite them. Yeah. Especially when Tobias is just present. Oh, I mean, listen. We, we, don't, we don't get do one of your legendary rants right there? Three shots No, tonight? I don't have the energy to, to <laughs> give it. Tobias. Like, the energy they gave is about what I have to offer on this podcast right now. But look, man, Tobias has got to do more than that. He's the third option on this team. There has to – I mean, even if he's got to be kind of a dick, right? Like – wave his hand to people like yo give me the goddamn stomp ball. yeah one of the most important people on this team one of the most skilled players on the team frankly as much as we brag on him from time to time like he's got a lot in the toolbox so to be completely adrift to the point that you only have three points and you're totally uninvolved in the offense that's what's unacceptable like again i can always live with tobias goes zero of six from three has a poor night shooting the basketball we're still like, wow, that sucked. You're paying this guy however much money. But at least you're dying on the sword a little bit. It's like, I'm going to do what I can or try to do what I can to help out Joel, who's scoring another 40-point game, another 30-10 game, by the way. He continues breaking his own record each and every night now, which we'll see if that, <laughs> that holds up against Minnesota on Wednesday. But for Tobias to not identify any period during this game, that's like, I got to get going, man. I got to give this team – something because our bench has nothing kelly's got nothing pat bev's not giving you offense marcus is out all that like i don't know man you're this far into your career your the offense is your bread and butter and, and that's what you have to offer like i i don't really get it i don't he had three shots and one three-point attempt in 31 minutes well hopefully maybe after you get some uh the Knicks roast pork in there, you can uh, have the energy for that rant. Oh, we'll no. Before you get to the Knicks roast pork, can I say this, though, with the three shots? Two of them in the first quarter. Oh, yeah. No. So one I mean, shot yeah. in the entire no, they, they, they second, went, they third, They tried to get him a post-up early. He had a, a good catch-and-shoot three, and then he just disappeared. It was wild. It was wild. Uh, all right. Now you can go ahead and tell Last, about uh, Well, no. We'll get to... Well, tomorrow we'll get to the next. Yeah. Um, well, true. Oh, we are getting to do <laughs> like, that. <laughs> Final play, uh, two questions. What did you think of the foul on Tobias and the, the final play? So I didn't like the foul call, but also when they challenged it and I saw the replay, I was like, there's no way they're overturning that. It's just a classic. Like if they had whatever they ruled, they were not going to overturn. Right. And, you know, those are the breaks of the game, whatever. Throws in, missed the first free throw. So gave them a chance to tie. Uh, Joel talked about the shot after the game. Well, I say kind of shot because that was pretty terrible um, he said the execution was good if he could have the play back he said the ball slipped he probably would have gone up and taken a normal jumper he opted for sort of a push shot floater said the ball came out of his hands said taking that shot run that play a million times probably would take a step back or take a normal jumper on 
99 other times, didn't on that one, said there was nothing really to it other than that. So, you know, sometimes that's just how it goes. It's an 82-game season where you're going to have these moments. As good as Joel was in that game, he just didn't have one more make left in him, and it sucks. Like, it would have been nice to hit that, and we see what happens from there. But the good news is we didn't have to, as people who are working through past the end of the game, no overtime to pad the time that we have to stay up late tonight, fellas. We can all get in bed at a semi-reasonable hour and dream of some roast pork sandwiches. Well, we've got a, we've got a football I, as, game, man. Eh? As excited as I, 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 I may have been, you know, glancing over, we've got some TVs over oh, there. See, to, I was trying to not my to, left, and you're doing it. Might it might be happening. Um, but as much as I am looking to some of that roast pork, that is a little earlier of a start time than we are used to. So come check us out at 1130. You can check us out in person or you can tune in. To the YouTubes. From your the, desk. Uh, yeah, hit, hit the bell icon to get the notifications. We'll be a little earlier than tomorrow. But, Kyle, I don't think I have any more questions here for you. No. I, maybe, did Tobias have the Jalen Hurts illness that made him play this bad tonight? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know because Tobias made a very quick exit, as I'm sure you oh, would have. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Didn't know that. <laughs> didn't know that. All right. Well, listen, man, let you get out of there, of course. And we'll, as Derek said, we'll be at the... Uh, Running tournament tomorrow, 11.30. All three of us will be there, and, and we'll be talking about some food if, if uh, you know, Kyle gets all the food that he wants from Reading Terminal. We are all getting all the food that we want tomorrow. <laughs> you got I, it. I will Thanks, make sure man. of it. We See appreciate it. All right, we appreciate it. We thank everybody for checking in tonight. We hope you can check in with us tomorrow. I don't know what that yelling scream was about. Yeah, I don't know either. I was just pulling up NFL.com. Yeah, it looks like it's still the birds. Listen, we're not naive. We know the birds are playing right now. It's fourth and two right now for Seattle on the birds. 30, a little play-by-play -play right All there right. Uh, for everybody. Uh, the birds, um, uh, maybe an incomplete pass. Did they get a little turnover there? Or no, penalty. Uh, on James Bradbury. How about that? Penalty on James Bradbury. So I'm <laughs> guessing it's going to be first and whatever and inside the 30 or 20 there. And there's that. So we understand that the game is going on. We appreciate everybody for checking in. We know you're always with us. We do understand there's a big game going on at the moment. But hope that we can uh, check in with you tomorrow. And we have a lot of people to thank. First of all, with all the people with the Super Chats, we appreciate everybody Checking in from Babajide, Furious, and Bernard, starting us off tonight. And plenty of people from Ian, Ramich, Marty, and uh, who else we have here? We had Q, Sims, Vince uh, getting in there. We also had James, and uh, who else did we have here? We had mentioned Bernard already, not only Super Chat, but jumping in there in the chat in general. Furious Julian, X-Man, and um, Miss Remembered 72. So many of you, Barbara Carroll, three-time Keith. Thank you all for checking in tonight. Make sure you go ahead and hit that like button, subscribe, tell a friend to tell the other friend, the next friend, the family, all going to be together around the holidays. You might as well tell them about the PHLY sports in general and certainly PHLY uh, Sixers podcast and post game as we do five times a week right here on this uh, forum. Six times, sometimes. Last six week times. we had a six game, uh, yeah. or so, six show week. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's how it goes. Brianna, thank you so much as always producing. We thank Kyle for joining us live from the arena. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow, 1130 from the Reading Terminal and seeing all of you. Should be fun. 11.30 might be earlier than normal, but it means we get an early start to lunch as well. Can we eat on the show? Uh, I don't know if we can, but I will be. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> We're on market. <laughs> <laughs> well, we listen. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 11.30, on the road, live from the Reading Terminal. Have a good night. <laughs> 